to the Success Agents Podcast, where we deliver weekly guests that bring insight to the elements of your business. <laughs> Profitable with knowledge, skills, and tools that help you with automation so that you have less procrastination. With your hosts, Chris Parsons and J.P. Fluellen. What's going on, guys? My name's Chris. I'm with my co-host, J.P. Fluellen. And thanks again for joining us for another episode of the Success Agent Podcast. Now, you can catch us here live on our Facebook page every Wednesday around 8 a.m. Mountain Standard Time, but we're also on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, LinkedIn, um, Stitcher. Basically, if you just look for us, you will find us somewhere. Um, last week, we had a special guest, Dino Costa. Dino is a radio host for The Fan um, over in St. Louis, I believe, and we talked about finding your voice um, in social media, but really just on online platforms or just getting your voice out there um, and making sure that you're really being authentic and true to yourself. You're not creating some false character. No one likes someone who's false. Uh, this week, we're gonna be talking about the advent of the iBuyer programs and what we're seeing um, and how it's affecting agents and what we're really predicting for the future. Um, so, going forward, um, uh, have you been affected by the iBuyer program yet, JP? No. We live in Wyoming. <laughs> Everything <laughs> takes forever to get to Wyoming. <laughs> the world could end in Wyoming. Because <laughs> we wouldn't even know it happened until 10 years later. We're just like, oh, crap. Kind of like, uh, <laughs> it just reminds me of like uh, the dude from uh, Peter Griffin from Family Guy. You know, he'd just be like, eh, crap. Yeah, it's <laughs> actually a really good, really good uh, um, <laughs> imitation. Did you ever, have you ever seen? Yeah, I saw Seth uh, do a live imitation of just the characters. Like he just went through the line, man. That stuff's incredible. Just to, like watch the same guy have different voices. Oh yeah. Oh, stop it, <laughs> Stuart Griffin. Oh, going to take over the world, Lois. <laughs> Well, oh, anyway. Peter. Oh, Peter. <laughs> Stop it, Peter. <laughs> so that's a skill I didn't know JP had. Yeah, man, I've been doing this for, I've been doing the impersonations for a while. Nice. Yeah. Um, so kind of speaking as to what Stewie said, taking over the world, uh, there's a lot of fear that um, companies like Zillow and Redfin are going to take over the real estate world. Ultimately, Nick's real estate agents entirely, at least that's the fear. Um, do you see that happening? You know, I could see at some point that the, the buying side of the real estate transaction will go away. Um, I don't ever see the selling side it, because when you, I mean, I've always thought of real estate as two pieces. It's, it's sales and service. When you're, when you're dealing with buyers, it's a, it's a lot of service. It's a right. lot, you know, opening doors, asking questions, having answers, you know, it's a lot of, um, customer service in that regard. It's not a lot of selling, um, or, or if at all, uh, in terms of the prices of the product have already been determined, you know, and, um, it's, I mean, I hate to say this, but it's almost like job coaching. You know, you're taking somebody around and you're showing them the houses and you're getting them in there so they can see everything. And you look at six or seven houses, they figure out which ones when they buy. You sit down with them and you say, what is your, you know, what are your things that you absolutely have to have, your wants, and then let's determine what it is that you actually need. 
And then you, you know, you just have that, you're having an interview and then you're going around, you're taking your client down to the different product, you know, through these different products. And then they determine which one's the best one. Then, you know, you're writing an offer and you submit it and da, 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 and you go all the way down the line. And that's, that's the buy side. Mm-hmm. The sell side on the other hand is I'm coming in saying I can do these things and I'm convincing you from a salesman that you want to use me and you are the product and you're selling yourself to your potential client unless it's a sphere or, you know, where you've got, it's a warm lead or something. But when it's, you're interviewing first with several other agents and trying to determine whether you're the right person or not, mm-hmm. that's the sales part. You know, you're trying to get them to know, like, and trust you. You're trying to get them to see the value proposition. You're, you know, just like you're doing with any product. You're, there's all of these different things that you're trying to sell. And I don't think that part is going to go away. I think the sell side, because mm-hmm. I think there's just too many variables, like from the selling side to just try to automate all of that. Right. Well, I think that actually brings up a good point. So what I was going to say is a lot of, you know, where you're going to be doing a lot of your marketing is going to be online. And you've already talked about how you believe that real estate will eventually go into like a virtual reality type thing where they bring like a Matterport in, they take a 3D picture, but this time it's actually kind of like Google Maps type where you can like walk through. I know they already have them, but um, instead you use like a virtual reality headset or whatever, like an Oculus Rift or something. And you just take clients walking through the home, um, instead of driving, you know, you're in the middle of nowhere, Wyoming. So you got to drive an hour and a half to look at anything and you could avoid all that. So if you were to get rid of, if they were to get rid of the buyer side, my, my initial thought was why couldn't they get rid of seller as well? But at that point, who's going to show the houses? Um, in, in terms of like, who's going to be the one managing the listing, taking, having the pictures taken, doing the description, making sure everything's up to snuff. So it actually sells that kind of thing. So I can agree with you on they'll potentially get rid of the buyer side. Um, I do see the issue arising though. If people want like true customer service, because I don't think people want to buy a house, like they buy, you know, a scooter or a bike on eBay. And that's kind of what I see the iBuyer model. Uh, when if it's all online, they just you know hop on eBay, find the bike that they want, and click buy it now. I don't think that would work for real estate. Whereas the selling side of things, it's more of a process. You do the same things over and over and over again. Um, to you, can, you have your system to sell something. Couldn't you see them actually taking the sell side away, other than the buyer side? You know. I mean, if you're, if you're looking at it from the perspective of if it's a, if it's a partnership from the seller to technology, mm-hmm. you know, but you're still, you, there's still manpower involved. So someone has to physically go to the house and physically map the house out and physically get all of the, you know, what is it, what are the particulars of that property? What's it made out of? You know, is it a ranch? Is it a two story? Whatever it is. You know, is it a walkout basement? Is it not? How many acres? All that stuff. And I can see, you know, in some respects in in non-disclosure states like Wyoming is that a a piece of technology wouldn't be able to just jump on and suck all that stuff out of the internet and then just put it on. So so there's there's a physicality of it in some regards that would be a barrier to 
to making some of these changes in terms of that. I don't, you, you, you can't, because eventually it's like, okay, well, we're going to have two pieces of technology talking to each other and then they create a, a house sale. Yeah, like, no, I don't. <laughs> There's no way. <laughs> you just can't do it. There's too many variables. I mean, yeah. you know, title issues if there's if anything arises as far as an issue yeah. uh, is in, in that regard you know what it could end up being at some point is that um real estate agents just become a uh specific uh to the role so like you have uh an attorney if you will uh-huh attorney in there they do divorces so you're going to hire a real estate agent um in in on a on a different type of payment scale you know where it's like okay well you're going to be married to this deal for 30 days and now we've got you know xyz whatever whatever we want you to basically supervise this transaction to the until it closes and you know this is how we're going to hire you on you know and now but the, the problem is is that you know they're not intimately involved anymore you know right action so you're coming in it after the fact after they've already negotiated everything okay well now i need a real estate agent to supervise this transaction that we've made problem there is you get involved and you're like Oh, that's a mistake. Oh, that's wrong. Oh, uh, we can't do that. Oh, you know, we that needs to be fixed. Oh crap, that's how much you asked for in repairs. Oh well, now we have to negotiate that. Or, you know, in some states they do a due diligence. How are you going to have two, a buyer and seller that are working with technology, to negotiate repairs? Like you, can't, right. that's, that's, you know, and if you do a for sale by owner and you have an attorney, the attorney don't, doesn't care that you guys come to terms on repairs. They're just, they're there because of the, from the transactional port part of it, they don't get intimately involved in, you know, two parties, you know, battling it out over due diligence, you know, there's, I mean, there's, there's a lot of moving pieces. I just, I think whatever society decides as far as what direction we're going to go, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think, you know, what's going to end up happening is if we eliminate the buy side, the the sell side is going to end up, you know, spending even more money to, to get a real estate agent that's competent to, to make sure that the transaction goes, you know, in accordance in a lot of directions. I think, sure. it's, I think it's a problem. I, you know, you know, and in the, at the end of the day, only the strong is going to survive. Yeah, right. So, so like, I'm kind of wondering though, why couldn't, so you're saying two pieces of technology talking together. Yeah. I don't see, you know, software A and software B resolving a deal and going through all those specifics, but you know, why couldn't they just hire an agent kind of <clears throat> pretty much as like an hourly basis or salary basis. And they just go to a call center type thing. They manage the transaction from afar. And, you know, I mean, that's, that's basically the negotiation. You have two different agents trying to manage the transaction 
from afar, but instead of getting paid a commission, they're getting paid some kind of hourly or salary type wage um, in order to make these types of programs work. So basically they become consultants rather than agents. Essentially, but instead of being the entrepreneurial consultant, they're just getting paid, you know, whatever. So that you see it in medical systems now. You know, you hardly see any primary care providers who have their own business. They usually get sucked up by like the bigger conglomerates. For us, it's UC Health. And the reason they do that is because they no longer have to worry about the stress of running and growing the business. The business just comes to them and they just show up to work every day and do what they already know what they're doing. Like this is exactly what they've been doing for years, but now they're just a different source of payment with a lot less headache depending on, you know, the person's personality. Yeah. The problem is that a real estate transaction is very, intimate in some regards like you know you have a a a seller that you know could have a multiple facet of things going on whether it's you know a divorce or a death or a uh you know all of these different scenarios and there's multiple people involved that aren't necessarily on the title of the transaction but are are involved because they're involved in some of the decision-making processes. And I think from afar, I think you eliminate a lot of those um, conversations if it's just, hey, we're, we've, uh, the date of our contract is on XYZ and blah, 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 blah. Now it's a, it's a two-hour conversation and you might not have the whole picture because you haven't been involved from day one. Sure. And so I think what could happen is, you know, if you're doing it from a consulting standpoint, you know, it might, I don't know. I mean, the, the nice side of it is, is that, you know, there's no agency so that a lot of laws would have to be rewritten because yeah. if you're involved, then you know, there's no agency. You're just consulting. Right. So from a consulting standpoint, I, dude, I don't know. And I, I think it's problematic in a lot of ways um, because, there's just, you know, they're calling in and say, hey, we're running. Because really what it's going to end up being is we have this problem. Here's the scenario. Okay, well, your time is $250 an hour, you know, like. Mm-hmm. And then they're, you know, they spend 20, 30 minutes explaining to you the scenario. You give them your two cents and then they hang up. Well, then they have another problem. They call back in and they say, here's a situation. And it's a different person, different agent, different area trying to consult that way too. I think it just, it, it, it becomes um, inconsistent, I think too. Because if you look at it from like, from like my wife's a therapist, if you look at it from a therapy standpoint, and if you were doing therapy in, you know, one hour chunks and every single week you had a different therapist that wasn't, you know, married to the situation, then mm-hmm. the advice could vary by large degrees you know? And so I just don't know how you can't have an agency without, you know, from a, from a selling standpoint, I just don't see how you could do it. Yeah. And so like the one thing is those major, you know, big companies, they would need some sort of standardization for how the deal should go. And you're talking about, like you just said, agents who have different 
methodologies or ideologies on how they want or how they believe a deal should go and how certain situations should be handled. So there could be a lot of, um, I guess, mismatch between what parties want and what parties are hearing because of that lack of intimacy. But if, you know, at the same point, if they were to get smart, let's just say this was the direction that they go. Agents end up being a consulting role. You see the population of agents get cut into like a quarter because now they're handling mass deals at an hourly basis instead of you know commission. Couldn't they just hire customer service reps to do all the talking with people to kind of figure out the situation and then send that to the agent so the agent has an idea on pretty much what's happening? I mean, couldn't you see that potentially working though? Yeah, I mean, what you know, the ultimately the deal is here with all of this stuff is that they're trying to reduce commissions. That's the ultimate goal. Is like, I sure, think the deal is they're doing like you get all this stuff for one percent. Right. That's ultimately what they're trying to do now. In some respects, I think you could scale down some of the some of the things, but um, you know, if there's anybody out there listening that's done, you know. 15, 16, 17 deals in a month by yourself, you see why you pay the commissions you pay. Because mm. the the behind the scenes stuff that goes on, you know, multiple, you know, vendors and, and coordinating inspections and doing all that stuff. I mean, I always tell people, like you may think it's easy on the back end and say, oh, well, it'd be so easy for me to just do uh, 1% and, you know, do my bid online and not have to worry about anything. But then you're like, the stress level of all these different pieces that go on. And, you know, I always tell folks, it's like, do you have another full-time job to do this from the day that you go under contract from the day that you close, do you have an extra 40 hours a week to coordinate all this stuff by yourself? Mm -hmm. And most of them say, well, no, that's why I hired you. <laughs> I'm like, well, think about it. Like, like this is what we do and we've got our processes streamlined. So that's, there's more to it than just make an offer, go under contract and then close. Right, of course. That's why they. That's why they say it takes thirty days to close on average. Mm -hmm. You know, because there's a lot of stuff that goes on. Yeah. You know, so I don't know. I, I, I. It'll be interesting to see where this goes. I think. I think they're going to figure out some sort of model. Mm -hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, it's going to be a hybrid. I don't. Sure. No, not unless they can. You know churn out you know watson versions of <laughs> agents and they're just that yeah we're i mean we're so far off from actual intelligent ai to the point where it can handle something like that so at least in the immediate future i don't really see that kind of thing happening there has to be human involvement um i tried for the longest time to and you were one of my guinea pigs to basically try to automate the entire lead conversion process and it's impossible um at least it's impossible without a human. Um, it just, it just doesn't work. So if you're about to try that, if you're trying to formulate how to automate the entire conversion cycle, don't waste your time. It doesn't work. Um, but kind of going off what you were saying with commissions. So ultimately the, the goal in all this is to lower commissions to entice the seller 
to want to work with a company like Redfin or whatever iBuyer uh, offering is out there, do you think real estate agents are making too much? You know, that's debatable. I mean, what it takes to run a real estate company um, takes a lot. It takes a lot of capital. Yeah. You know, whether it's at home or in a physical location, there are there's still uh, capital involved. Mm -hmm. um, but. Um, and of course, it depends on where you're at, where it your does. location is. It does. it does. And the other thing, too, is it depends on if you have a, a good market or not. Mm hmm. No, or if your average sale price is, is dude, I've, I just went to a conference a couple weeks ago and like in some places their average sale price is like 160. Right. So, I mean it, and then when you think about, you know, all the fees that are involved in real estate too, like mm -hmm. you know, from day one, you know, if you don't have three months of reserves in the bank, you know, it's very, very expensive to be in real estate. Well, That's I was talking to an agent who like his average deal was like 60 K. So obviously he needs to up his, his price ceiling. Cause that's way too low. But after commission splits and the actual expenses of marketing and just running a business, then you get taxes taken off of all that. Like his take home is nothing. Yep. Well, and in some cases, when if you're doing a lot of listings, you know, you're putting up capital right from day one. I mean, right. you know, if you don't have an in-house photographer, you're paying for photography, you're paying for, you know, depending on the house, drone footages, and you're paying for, mm -hmm. um, you know, flyers and mailings and online advertising and all these things in hopes that they will stick with you until, it, until you get it, get it under contract and close. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mean, if you think about it on average, if you're spending, you know, and I, there's, there's guys like, uh, that are in the LA area that are spending, you know, they're doing these extravagant parties at these listings in hopes that they will <laughs> sell with them. And like, dude, there's, I remember I went to a, a conference one time and this guy was spending $50,000, around $50,000 per listing to put on these parties. Well, what, how much was each listing? You'd be talking like a five million plus. Oh, to make no, that they're, they're between five and. Okay. Million. But, okay. That's, but a, the, that's a wild party, dude. Yeah, and some <laughs> of these dudes are, are take two years to close. Right. Yes. You know? And so, I mean, you think about this $50,000 a year till it closes for three years. You're 150000 almost 200000 in. And you're hoping that they're not, they're going to stick with you to close, mm -hmm. you know, and then, you know, and on the countless amounts of text messages and a lot of these, what people don't understand is when you're taught, when you're in this kind of category, you don't ever talk to the person directly. They have like a handler that they go through. Sure. They basically intermediate for you. Cause they're like, dude, I got time for this. I got time for that. That's what I hired you for. Just sell my damn house. Yeah, just sell the house. Like you just freaking negotiate it and you just get it done. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, basically they they sign the papers and a lot of times it's virtual so that they don't they don't even ever see the person until it closes because mm -hmm. they have a physical close, you know, a physical signature to close. And that's it. That's the last, that's the only time you see the person. Right. About people in that category. So it's it's uh it's a whole nother animal. And when you think about like, you know, like we're doing six events a year to uh, continue our real estate business. 
and those things cost money, you know? So the, you know, people think that, you know, that, Oh, these real estate agents, they make too much money. Dude, the national average for a real estate agent is 38,000 a year. Mm -hmm. But that's not, that's really based on the personal or the person, not so much the profession because you got the people who come in, they do a deal or two or, you know, three, obviously depending on their location and they can get that kind of money in, you know, not in, in like not a significant amount of work. At least if you're talking like in Colorado, that's about, yeah. that's about four deals. And, and you're also looking at it from the perspective of that it's a hundred percent commission. Right. And I think that gets lost. You're not full time. Uh huh. But the, you know, how do you how do you determine whether you're full time in real estate or not? That's a mindset, I would say, more than because obviously you're not clocking in and you're not clocking out. Your only boss is yourself, unless you have like an overbearing broker. Um, but it is a career, though. I mean, it's a it's a, absolutely a career. When you're going to go into a career, and they say you know flexible schedule and limited income potential. And you go in and you realize how much work it takes just to get that first deal, uh -huh. you know, and you're talking your national, the national average is 38,000. Well, and part of that too is how long does it take you to get to that 38,000, you know, when you first get sure. in. So, I mean, yes, there are people that are doing quite well in real estate and there are people that aren't, aren't doing so well, but you know, it is what it is. The numbers are still the numbers. Mm -hmm. You know, so you have to make that determination on whether, you know, those commissions are worth it or not. But at the end of the day, like if you sat down and showed people exactly how the money gets distributed and in a lot of people's listing presentations, you know, they, they have a breakdown in the listing presentation, like a pie chart that shows this goes to me, this goes to my broker, this goes to this. And then after I get paid my taxes and all my expenses, because it is a business, Mm -hmm. if this is what's left, then they're like, oh, okay, that makes a lot more sense. Sure. Because it's, it's you know, it's just the, the, the thought process is, is that you're getting it all in one chunk, whereas most people get it over several weeks with their normal paychecks. Mm -hmm. so, with no guarantee of getting paid out anyway. So it's a risk versus reward type thing. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Well, I, you know, so going back to the iBuyer of like, let's just say they charge 1%. It makes you wonder how that's even sustainable then given the amount of work that's required. Um, and once you really break down where the money goes, it makes it, it makes you wonder if it's even worth it for them. You know, yeah, they might make a profit, but is that small profit really worth it for the amount of headache and frustration that a company could face to manage that level or that many deals all at once? Like you said, like there's so many moving parts and I don't believe that it will ever come to a point where AI can handle everything. You can't have a computer negotiate with a computer on what a buyer and a seller wants. Right. That just doesn't work. And, and at the end of the day, you get what you pay for. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's the difference between buying a house um, for a hundred grand and then hoping that all the repairs are going to pay out because you know you don't know what you've gotten yourself into it because it's as is where is mm -hmm. or buying new construction 
and you know exactly what you got because you told them what to put in it. You know, you get what you pay for, you know, and well, how much are we going to have to tear out? Uh huh. And agents in a way are kind of like, an, I mean, this shouldn't be misconstrued because we are not insurance, but in a way we're kind of like insurance companies or a policy in that you have someone who's a professional looking over everything to ensure that the buyer or the client, the seller doesn't get screwed over and they're not getting something that they, that they want. You know, it could be as something as simple as, you know, they're buying a house that has some sort of HOA law that they want to be able to grill out every Saturday with their friends because they've done it for 20 years and that's just what they want to do, but they want to downsize to a townhome or something. And you don't have someone there to do the checks and balances to say, Oh, well in the HOA docs, you can't have a grill. Well, they go (laughs) and they buy that house and then all of their plans are now ruined for this house and they hate every second of it. And they're on the buy side anyway. So it's not like they paid commit. They were never going to pay commission ever. Yeah. And technology isn't going to read through those covenants to see if they can have horses when they're like, I want a horse property. Well, you know, and, or they wanted to put seven outbuildings on there and it only allows for one, you know, like these are all little things that you, you know, like I have in my listing presentation has a 200 step action plan that shows all the things that we do and it doesn't even cover everything. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the gamut is so big that I think that if even if they come up with something, somebody's going to get sued because it's just there's too many moving pieces in there that, you know, that's why you pay for someone to have eyes on, you know. Mm-hmm. So. Cool. Well, I think that was a good conversation. I think we'll just end it there. So ultimately, we really don't know what's going to happen with iBuyers. It sounds like based on what we just talked about, we don't believe it's going to work. There's going to be attempts of it. But that's not to say it's going to work, or at least it's not going to work the way it is right now. Uh, Maybe some sort of hybrid model, as JP was saying, but of course, time will tell. Um, Cool. So just to finish this up, why don't you uh, just let people know how to get in contact with you and all that good stuff. Yeah, so you guys can get a hold of me at james.fluellen at gmail.com. You can give me a call at 307-772-1184 for a free 30-minute coaching call. And uh, you guys can also check out my book, The Real Estate Brain, Seven Hacks on How to Buy Like a Pro. And that is on Amazon and Kindle. Uh, Just type in JP Flewellen in the search bar and the book will come up there. Um, It's a pretty interesting read on just how you would love to have all of your buyers behave out there in the real world uh, with some fun anecdotes and things like that. So I think it's $4.99 or $5.99 on Kindle and it's... Uh, 1999 on Amazon. And then, uh, yeah, you guys can find me on all social. Just type in JP Flewellen in the Google bar and it'll, all that stuff will pop up. So look forward to hearing from you. Awesome. I actually heard a, uh, you said Google bar, which reminded me, I heard one of the radio stations was like, Hey, how do you tell if your kid's going to be a serial killer? And it was, they bing instead of Google. It's like, <laughs> what's that? <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Cool, guys. If you want to get a hold of me, go ahead and reach out at chris.successagent at gmail.com. You can also reach out through our Facebook page. I'll message you back right there. Always looking for new guests, new interesting ideas. You don't have to necessarily be in real estate to get on this show. Um, We're just looking for different perspectives um, for different topics and just bring it out to our audience and, you know, help them learn a little bit more about something maybe they didn't know about as much prior to. And we do it all for free. 
Uh, we just do this for fun, guys. So thanks again for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you next week.